Hello, hello. Hi, I, I'm sorry to keep you waiting. <laughs> no, you are perfectly fine. Uh, this is Nikki, and I'm spilling all the tea of all things entertaining. Today, um, our guest speaker is none other than the number one New York Times best-selling author, Gordon Corman. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. And it's an honor. Um, I have to ask you, uh, you know, a couple questions. Uh, well, a lot, let's be honest. <laughs> you, have, <laughs> you have quite an uh, extensive uh, uh, history uh, in the industry. Uh, but I want to talk about your first book. This okay. is happening at McDonald Hall. Um, now, you were 12 when you had written this, and um, and later it became a series, and it was pu- 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 your first one was published at 14. How did this happen? I mean, it's incredible. Sure. Well, it was actually my seventh grade English project. So uh, the way it worked was my uh, in my school, the track coach had to teach English. It, w- it was really almost like a staffing issue at the school. But the way our schedule worked, uh, the only adult who was available to cover our class that hour turned out to be this coach. So nice guy, good teacher, but he had never taught English in his life. It was his first year teaching. He was maybe 22 or 23. Um, so when it came to creative writing, he just didn't know what to tell us to do. And he <laughs> drew a blank and he sort of said, okay, work on whatever you want for the rest of the year. Um, it was February. So from February to June, we had a class period every single day to write one thing. And, uh, at first I was just working on it in class time. But then I, I got into it. I started bringing it home, taking, you know, t- uh, working on it at night. And by the end of the time, I had written the first draft of This Can't Be Happening at McDonald Hall. That is so extraordinary. <laughs> I mean, if you had gotten to the regular English teacher, this may never have happened. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Just because I, I was not the kind of kid who ever would have sat down to try to write a book. Um, I actually always got better grades in school in math and science than English. So uh, I, I sort of feel like this whole career for me is is kind of a fluke. Yeah, well, it's some fluke. <laughs> it's quite incredible. Um, I mean, I know like you, I mean, I don't, I, how was it at the age of 14 to be a published author in your school? Uh, were your peers, uh, did they acknowledge your achievement? Were you automatically, you know, the cool kid? How was it like, you know, well, being a published author at 14 years old? You know, so I, I wrote it in seventh grade. And I, I would say that that I was pretty well known in my middle school. Uh, because while the book wasn't out yet, I mean, everybody, you, you know, everybody knew that I'd sign a contract for it. Um, that came kind of early on in eighth grade. But by the time the book was out, uh, we were in high school and it was a much bigger high school than our middle school. And uh, it, it was kind of old news. You, you know, uh, kids are not really built for the uh, the timing of... <laughs> the book business, right? The, so, right. so it's really not a particularly draggy process to write something 
1976 and have it come out in 1978. But uh, but for kids, uh, you know, I think it was kind of old news. Even for me, like when I think back to that time, uh, intellectually, I understand how remarkable it was and how lucky I was that this book got published. Right. But when I think back to it, all I remember is, was being impatient. You know, uh, <laughs> it seemed like everything was taking absolutely forever. The publishing world, yes. <laughs> I, um, I wanted. Okay, I want to fast forward. I have so much to talk about. Okay? Sure. Because you're you're um, such a vast amount of books. Now you wrote at this point. I think it's between eighty-five to ninety books, or is it more? Even it, it's uh, well, uh, unplugged, which is the newest, is my ninety-seventh. Oh my word! Okay, I want to talk about 2017, uh, the book restart. Okay. Can you give me your thought process and um, and how it evolved uh, this wonderful book? Because I have a little bit of uh, backstory on this book as well. But I would I want your insight of how this book evolved. Uh, sure. Well, it, it was not a true story. I mean, I've never suffered from amnesia. Uh, I did not fall off my roof. I, I don't know anybody whose personality changed after a traumatic brain injury. Um, I guess what I was thinking about at the time was just what makes us who we are. You, you know, kind of the nature versus nurture debate, right? Like, right. is your personality kind of hardwired into you or is it more shaped by the stuff that happens to you? And, um, right. And like, you know, on TV news, they're always saying, you know, ooh, scientists are performing a study to determine X, Y, Z. I was like, why does no one do a study on this? And um, I started thinking about what that study might have to look like, because it's tricky. And the one thing that I kept coming back to was amnesia, right? When your memory is wiped clean, do you go back to being the kind of person that you were before uh, or might you be somebody totally different? Right. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I just was really intrigued by the idea and wanted to write a story to, to kind of, um, to sort of further it as a thought experiment almost. And, mm -hmm. you know, I chose kids because, um, because kids are what I write about, you, you know, uh, right. not that there's anything particular to kids about it, but so what if the bully you know what if like the worst kid in a middle school uh falls off his roof lands on his head you know survives but is he gonna go back to being the kind of bully and tough kid that he was before or is this his chance to restart his entire life and be somebody different yes yes definitely it's such a great book um the backstory you know and bullying is it's a huge issue um, you know, did you experience anything like bullying in elementary school prior to, you know, your fame, you know, writing your first book? Did you ever experience it? Well, I mean, I, I don't think that I was a particularly picked on kid, but, but very, very few of us get out of school without, uh, without some kind of bullying going on. Um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, I do remember that, that there was one uh semester i think in in middle school where 
there was this kid who just thought that th there was nothing funnier than than running up behind me in the playground and just sort of smashing into me from behind. And um, <laughs> it, it wasn't even that hard. But when you're not expecting it, you just you just go flying, right? And right. this maybe happened, you know, what two, three times uh, more than forty years ago, and right. I still remember it, but. I sort of thought to myself, like, what if it hadn't happened twice or three times? What if it had happened like eight times? Then would I be able to concentrate on school in the morning or would I be so freaked out about, you know, what's going to happen out there on the playground? What if it had happened, you know, 20 times? Uh, at that point, maybe I'd be so... Uh, so much worry, worrying about this that I couldn't sleep the night before. Um, so it, it almost becomes like an issue of health. And I think that that was a little bit of the thinking behind uh, the character of Joel Weber, right? The character who was so badly bullied in the past that his parents actually sent him to boarding school because his, you know, this, this, intimidation was so under his skin that it really made it impossible for him to live a normal life. Right. Yeah. I mean, my backstory on this, uh, I have a 14 year old son, but when he was in sixth grade, he's an eighth now, but when he was in sixth grade, his teacher had assigned him uh, this book restart and he was severely bullied. Um, um, my son, you know, he's very intelligent. Um, kind of a bookworm, you know, he, he's, uh, does very well in school, but you know, he was being bullied so severely. Um, and when he was given this book and he was reading it, you know, it really, uh, he came to me, he goes, mom, I, I really like this book. And I, he talks so intelligent and, uh, he, you know, he's just like, I connected with it. And the reason why we had to transfer him to another school due to severe bullying. Right. And he, and, and literally, I mean, this book, I mean, it gave him his own version of a restart, literally, you know, and he did. And in the new school, he thrived and made a lot of friends and a lot of people that had the same interests as him. And so this, this book is like, kind of touches, you know, <laughs> Um, I, I, well, I, I'm thrilled heart. to hear that. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I've always been, you know, I've always sort of seen myself as a storyteller, meaning I, I don't expect anyone to finish one of my books, put it down and say, yep, now I know the meaning of life. You know, like my, my, yeah. <laughs> my, my job as I see it is always to entertain and, and tell a story. Uh, but at the same time, uh, bullying in particular has been such a hot button issue with with certain people uh and, yeah. and you know i grew up at the in the days of you know ah oh, it's just kids being kids you know you got to toughen up you you got to deal with this and you know i i love the fact that uh educators only recently uh but have have are starting to move to the point where they they just understand what a what a psychically damaging thing this can be Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, whenever you have uh, a child so young, you know, 12 you know, years old and he's having anxiety, you know, because he has to go to school, you know, that day and face those children that are bullying and the school system, you know, we weren't lucky enough to have anyone stand up, you know, um, and it just kept continuing. And 
Uh, but yeah, that, that book is definitely, I know it probably, you know, not just in my family or my child, plenty of children can relate to this book because, you know, even if maybe you are the bully. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> you know, I think that's, and, yeah. And you're reading, reading it, you know, it might give a child a different, you know, aspect of, wow, you know, I'm the bully. I, I think it's you true that, that, that we, um, we are so sort of forced into our roles uh, by society sometimes that uh, it's possible that, that you don't know you're a bully or you don't know you're a certain way um, because you're you're driven into it you know I um, I remember when I early in my career I, my early books were particularly very very humorous you know I, I loved jokes I'm mean, still you know when I think back when I was two years old the cartoons on TV that were my favorites were the ones that made me laugh and we're talking what is a two-year-old like you, you know what how, right. how how sophisticated a kind of humor can a kid that young really <laughs> understand so i wrote these funny books and i was in this world where you know all the awards and all the recommended lists were going to books that were really really heavy and dealt with these you know gigantic issues and always like death and and disease and you know and and dystopia and um and I remember I became almost like a, a humor evangelist. You know, I was running around telling everybody, oh, you got to you got to have um, you, you got to have funny books. Funny books are what get kids reading. Funny books are important, uh, which I still believe. But I think that at a certain point, I was so pushed into what I perceived as my role as like the humor guy that that I was overstating it. I, I ended up in a category that I didn't belong in. You, you know, um, right. I uh, it, it's amazing how you can sometimes be sort of pushed into being something that you're not just by, I don't know, the, the forces of what's going on. Right, right. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, you did a swindle uh, in the 39 Clues and then you said the Island Trilogy. You said something um, I had um, read somewhere that you had said it was really hard making that transfer in such a serious book, you know, um, and, you know. Um, no, that was probably one of the more difficult transitions uh, when when I switched from uh, writing mostly funny books to adventure series, you, you know, um, which happened... I mean, a long time ago. I mean, Island was sort of early 2000s, but um, yeah. But still, like in my career, my first book came out in 1978. So I was I've been doing it for a really long time at that point. Uh -huh. uh, and and you know, when you write a funny book, you know, you get a sense of someone reads it to get to the next laugh, right? Like the the laughs are almost <laughs> the payoffs. If you're on page 12, you turn to 13 to get the next laugh. Uh, with right. An adventure story um, you don't have those regular payoffs you just have to create like a dramatic tension and suspense that keeps people turning pages um, so that was a big adjustment um, and then the other big adjustment was that I had to do research uh, to write about topics like you know Mount Everest and World War II and the Titanic. So uh, mm -hmm. that was something that I was not familiar with. Um, I was writing about very familiar subjects at first. And at the beginning, I was not that much older than my characters and readers. So I wrote from a lot right. of personal experience. And then 
switching to sort of more research driven stuff was a big adjustment. Yeah, but it paid off. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I hope it has. Yeah, it has. Um, I have to ask you, I mean, okay, I know uh, as an author and I've talked to a lot of authors and I know it can take a year or two years to write a novel. You sometimes put out seven, you know, or five in a year, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, does your family ever do yeah, um, <laughs> how, how do you have time to do any guest speaking or, you know, going to schools and doing all this incredible stuff you've done over the years when you are putting out tremendous, you know, amounts of books out, out into the world? Well, I mean, seven is, I, I, mean, I don't know if I ever did actually have seven books in no. a year, but uh, I, I think that, it was pretty close. you know, when I was working on the On the Run series, I think, um, like six books came out in maybe a year and a half. Um, yeah. y- you know, and I didn't, I didn't write them every three months. I mean, I, um, you kind of, you kind of work in advance and, and develop a backlog so that they can sort of then release them sort of one after the other. Uh, I, I would say generally it takes me somewhere between uh, four and five months to write a first draft and um and then the the you know luckily sometimes the revision process from there is is fairly simple but sometimes it isn't so for me i've been averaging lately a couple of books a year and um that to me is i mean it's it's hard but it's you know it is for someone who is a full-time writer i mean this really is all i do um, it, it's, right. it's a sustainable kind of pace. Yeah. Yeah. I just find it extraordinary because <laughs> I know, uh, I mean, you're obviously, you know, done it for so long, but just the amount of books and, you know, that span of time, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable. Thank you. Well, one thing um, I do notice is that, um, I used, I, I've gone through periods of my career where everything I did was a series and, uh, lately, I've been in a very like standalone novel kind of place. Y- you know, I mean, war stories, unplugged, notorious, the unteachables. These are all kind of uh, single novels, and it, it, it yeah. does. It, they don't necessarily take longer to write than than series books do, but um, the brainstorming. You know, to be starting at progress point zero and creating a whole new world. From, from nothing uh, with two new books a year that that's pretty hard like it is um, more the brainstorming of it is a, is a difficult place to be yeah yeah mentioning you mentioned unplugged it came out this month um, and uh, 2021 unplugged um, I want to hear what inspired this book I think I have a pretty good idea since I'm the mother of four children and the youngest being 14, but um, it seems their whole world is plugged into the social media. And I mean, I can say personally, on a personal note, my household would not be pleasant if we, um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, just say it, just say it. But I do know a lot about this book, but what inspired you uh, to write this one? Just because this one's really Well, well I, I have three kids and they're somewhat older than yours, but uh, my, my kids are 22, 18, and 15. And I, and they're, um, they're, oh, wow. you know, I mean, it's, they live with their phones. It's sort of, it's sort of amazing uh, to watch 
my oldest son is a, a gigantic sports fan and he will literally watch like a big football game like the the Super Bowl with um with his computer and his phone and a TV so he's watching the game on the TV <laughs> on his computer he's watching the Twitter feed for you know hashtag Super Bowl whatever and on his phone he is communicating with friends to get their their personal technique. So everything he does is three right. screens at once, which is, you know, obviously not how I lived, yeah. but well, uh, but but well, there is a more specific right. um, inspiration for Unplugged, which is uh, my editor at at HarperCollins, uh, Alessandra Balzer, she goes on a wellness trip with her, I think it's with her family members. Uh, like her, her mom and her sister every year and they go to this you know very sort of remote wellness center and you know it, it's the whole nine yards like super healthy super isolated super unplugged um, you know all the food is health food and there's you, you know like a hot spring uh, heated by magma and there's uh there's like all the food is you know all the food is like super vegetarian super crunchy uh this meditation and spa treatments and and you know she loves it and as she describes it to me she is describing you know obviously something that is an experience she looks forward to every year which i get uh and don't make fun mm -hmm. of but the more she talked about it right. the more i was like if you were a middle school kid you would absolutely hate this i mean you, you, oh. you know and and so i got the idea about writing about kids who are sort of exiled to a, a, a wellness center it, admittedly a more extreme one than hers and probably less cushy um and then i sort of thought to myself well okay but who would be literally the worst person in the world to send to something like this and i thought well what about you know, what about a Silicon Valley kid who is almost like a prince of tech, right? Like, what if your dad right. literally invented Google or something like it? In the case of Unplugged, <laughs> it's it's a, a, a company called Fuego. And, uh, and you get sort of banished to this, you know, super crunchy, super isolated wellness center uh, where on top of everything else, you're from the most high-tech family in the world and you know you got no phone no computer no tv no screens at all for an entire summer <laughs> yeah yeah and and the character is kind of uh kind of like a spoiled you know child and so true you know I, I was thinking far. about it uh i obviously am not the the child of a tech guru <laughs> um but ah. um you, you know on the one hand i mean he's he's incredibly wealthy and he has a kind of cocky confidence that comes from knowing that that extreme wealth and power is behind him but the more I thought about him, the more I sort of felt bad for him. You know, I mean, he's a very lonely kid. He he really doesn't have parents involved in his life at all. Um, you know, and, you know, you talk to nine out of ten kids and they'd be like, yeah, that's what I need more of in my life. But when you really think uh, about it, no, not really. It's got to be very, very lonely to be... Uh, yeah 
to be that way. Um, and, you know, I was thinking to myself, like, what would be the kind of thing that would take a kid like that and have him really bond with normal kids during their summer at the Oasis for Mind and Body Wellness? Um, and that's really where I came up with the idea that they, they adopt some kind of a pet. You know, in this case, a, a mysterious lizard that uh, that turns up overheated in their hot spring. Um, and that is, you know, sort of caring for needles, this lizard, is kind of what brings him more into the mainstream and teaches him to be a different kind of kid than the kind of kid he started out the summer as. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that definitely was a great touch. <laughs> Um, you know, and animals do, I mean, they tend to, you know, even reptiles, I mean, they, they tend to, uh, if a child can bond with them, I think, you know, it gives them kind of, uh, an aspect of caring and, um, about something other than themselves, you know, just themselves alone. So I, I like that in the book as well. Um, yeah, it's a great book. I mean, for all you listeners, definitely check it out. Unplugged. And uh, it's Gordon Corman. Uh, you know, I, I, I have, you know, a, you know, I know you, you have sold way over 30 million copies. And I mean, I, who knows, okay, of your books and your career that has spanned the four decades. How does this feel? I mean, it must feel incredible to sustain this kind of attention from the world. Because I know your books are all over the world. They've been translated, I mean, to what, 30 different mm-hmm. languages across the world. So... I mean, I think it's a real, it's a very, uh, it's a very cool feeling. And especially with me, um, like, because I've been doing it for a very long time, uh, when I run into somebody who is, you know, my age or maybe a little bit younger and will say, you know, oh, I I read this book when I was a kid or, um, you know, I run into kids uh, who are like, this was my dad's favorite book when he was growing up. Or our teacher said you visited her school when she was in, you know, sixth grade or fifth grade or, or whatever. Um, you know, that you really sort of get this feeling that you kind of participated in uh, in people's lives. And uh, that's, that's a really cool feeling. Oh, definitely. It has to be. Um, what advice would you give to any child that may have uh, a spark for writing? I mean, because you're the purest example uh, that you're never too young to create. Right. Well, I mean, unfortunately, not every kid has the uh, the track and field coach teaching English in, in their school. <laughs> um, but what, what I would say is just make writing a part of your life, you, you know, um, like uh, make it something that you do every day or almost every day. Uh, and it, it, interestingly, it doesn't really matter what kind of writing you're doing. I mean, you could blog or you can, you know, you can uh, find something that you're a fan of and, and write about it. You know, I'm sure there's some kind of like a fan site on the internet you can post things to. Uh, fan fiction is really, really big now. Uh, but but it doesn't even have to be that. Just keep a journal, keep a diary, or always be working on something. You know, a screenplay, a, a, a you know, whatever. It, it um, you know, just make it a part of your life. And I think that's because um, I actually think kid, uh, adults are worse than kids. But when I travel, I always run into you know 
adults usually will say, oh, I'm writing a book. And then, you know, they'll be like, oh, it's about this. And it's book one of a series. And, you know, the trilogy goes like this. And and I was, it, it sounds so developed that I'm always like, oh, great. What stage is it at now? And the answer is always, well, I haven't started yet. You know, uh, almost like they're waiting for this moment where all the planets are going to kind of line up and, and you know, the world is going to declare now is the time to do this, you know. Um, And uh, you know what? Like, it should not be a once in a blue moon thing. We get we get good at the things we do a lot of, you know, you get better at writing by writing a lot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I have come across people that, that have said the same thing. Oh, I have it all up in my head. Uh, I mean, I wake up sometimes in the middle, you know, of, of a dream and it'll just something, I'll have a vision and I write it down, you know? And, you know, so yeah, you got to constantly be on it. But there, there are a lot of people that have it in their head and they're, they're just waiting for that perfect time and there's never no perfect time right exactly i do that too by the way there are times that i'll you know i'll be working on some kind of a problem or working on a scene and as i go to sleep like just as i'm about to drift off i think of something and i have to sort of slap myself awake and go write it down because (laughs) the next morning guaranteed i will not remember what it was but i will remember that i that i thought of something important right right um, I have one more question, actually two, um, but out of all of your 97 books, what book has that special place in your heart? Uh, you know, is there any, th- there really certain- isn't. I mean, I, I always tell kids, uh, I tend to get the most excited about what's newest, you know? So for me, mm-hmm. so for me, well, yeah. like unplugged war stories, not because they're better. They're just the ones that I've worked on the most recently. I mean, you know, I go back to, right. you know, Bruno and Boots and McDonald Hall and, you know, some of those books that I wrote when I was in middle school and high school. And um, I mean, I still love them, but they almost feel like something I read a long time ago rather than something I wrote myself, you know? So so the, the more oh, recent yeah. a book is, the more I I remember like specifically dealing with oh remember when you know I couldn't figure out what to do with that chapter remember where I I had to rearrange this scene and you know I have more direct experience of it you know yeah it's the excitement of like your baby being born exactly exactly um the anticipation yeah you know (laughs) um but in a lot of ways like it's almost the way people talk about remembering songs from their youth you know like i always remember very distinctly the difference between the songs that were that i remember from college versus the 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 music i listened to when i was in high school it's just a different feeling you know and i think that thinking about an older book always reminds me of you know the the place i was at psychically you know and the the things i was doing and the friends i was hanging out with at that time in my life Right, right. Well, I, I would say um, Unplugged and Restart um, would be like my favorites right now. I obviously have not read all 97. You got to get on that. But I'm getting on it. I promise you. Um, you have a website our listeners uh, can access. Uh, sure, access just GordonCorman.com. 
and there's all kinds okay. of stuff on there. I mean, there's some some great videos uh, th that I've recorded over the years, um, different book trailers and different uh, uh, promotional and and um, uh, movie trailers for uh, the, those of my books that have been done. Um, actually, I've never had a feature film, but I've been done on TV. Uh, Swindle and three of the old uh, McDonald Hall, like the Bruno and Boots uh, movies, which uh, are on Netflix. Right. And um, it, it really is a, a cool resource if you're interested to check out um, just my perspective on certain books at certain times. There are little bits of uh, presentations that I've done at, you know, like the National Book Festival and, and certain book tours that I've been on. So it, it, it's a pretty cool resource. Yes, yes. Listeners, check it out. Um, okay, well, I'm going to, uh, you know, do you have anything you want to No, like I just want to thank you for... Um... Thank you for doing this. Um, a lot of people sort of say, oh, you know, the guy's written 97 books. You, you know, obviously, like, you, you know, this is something this is something that he can do. But but in my opinion, like uh, writers, you know, it's not guaranteed that you can do this unless there are people like you who are going to get our books in front of in front of readers, in, in my case, in front of kids and right. their parents and their teachers. Um, so this is not an automatic thing and I try never to sort of feel entitled to this career. I mean, the reason why I am still able to do as a 57 year old, what I did as a 12 year old in seventh grade is because there is that delivery system for, for my books into kids hands. So, uh, thank you for having me and thank you for what you do. Oh. Well, thank you. And I'm so honored to have had you on my podcast. And I'm sure all my listeners uh, um, are it, will enjoy this very, very much. Uh, so I'm going to say farewell to you. And you have a wonderful day. And for all you listeners, uh, you can share, subscribe, review, check out Ford and Corman's website, and be kind and respectful and show some love. Thank you again, Gordon. You too. Thank day. you so much.